personal glass of water. Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Kindly provided by somebody very thoughtful, because I'm not allowed to drink out of a bottle. And you all know the reason why, because Sheila says she was lying in bed this morning thinking and be worrying about my mother being upset because I was drinking out of a bottle. So here we go again on our topic um, under the heading of fellowship. Excuse me a minute. And I've been asked to speak on loving one another, which you would think was really quite a simple, easy thing to talk about. Um, We're in a church context, and hopefully we all like each other if we don't all love each other. But um, it's been um, taking a little while for me to get it to come all together. So, loving one another. And this is what Jesus said to us through his disciples and through Jesus' words. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you love one another. That was in John 13, 37. And this was um, an an area of life at the time when Judas Iscariot was denying Jesus. He was the one that got up from the table and left the meal. They were having the meal that we've just shared together, the last meal that they had with Jesus. And they were all around the table. And Jesus had told them that one of them was going to betray him. And they obviously were all curious as to who it was going to be. And whether they knew when Judas got up and left the table that it was him, I don't know. But Jesus afterwards said to them, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. It was a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's what Jesus said that we have to do, that we have to love one another. Now, we don't live under the law anymore. We live in Gateshead. We're in a very strong um, Orthodox Jewish community. And the Jewish community around me, where I live in my street, they still live under the law, the law that God gave to Moses. And they're restricted by it. The whole of their lives are restricted by the law that God gave them. And, of course, they've added to it and made life very complicated for themselves. But Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. So there was the law, and it was a tenfold list of desirable attributes that we are supposed to achieve to serve God. And Jesus came to abolish the law. He gave us, came to give us a new way of living. And we should be so grateful for that because I don't know about you, but I would find it very difficult to live with the laws that the Jewish people have to obey. But you know, the law was there for a reason. It was to keep people reined in, to keep them checked. So if we have a new law, this law of loving one another, does that mean that we're free to do what we want? No, of course it doesn't. So you would think, wouldn't you, that loving one another was an easy thing. But you know, if you love, it desires a response on a personal level. level. And the outward sign of love will be apparent to the observer. Now, whether you're at school, if you're young, at college, university, at work, retired, at home, whatever it is, other people in your neighborhood will know if you love people. 
They don't need anybody to tell them. They will know. And love is a verb, but it cannot operate without action. Now, you can love in isolation, and some people try to do that, but it's a very one-sided affair, and it can't be returned. And the whole of Jesus' ministry was about sharing who he was with other people and demonstrating an understanding of who God was and what he wanted to achieve in the lives of people if we returned the love that he gave us. I wanted us just to think for a little while about a story that we all know really well. And it's the sequel to The, late, the, the Raising of Lazarus, um, the brother of Mary and Martha, who died and Jesus brought back to life again. So this sequel story is about the younger sister and the younger sister Mary, who does something out of extreme love. She wants to demonstrate something. And so she takes a pot of ointment which it's said in the Bible was worth a year's wages, and she anoints the feet of Jesus when he's lying sitting at a table. And that love came directly from a grateful heart. Now, if you've ever had an occasion to be truly, truly grateful, you will know that the word thank you is often not enough. Now, as a family, just recently, um, we have had cause to be very grateful to the Freeman Road Hospital. And you feel thank you is a very inadequate word. There have been many people involved in my husband's care. He's had a very tremendously serious operation. Um, and many people have been involved in looking after him and still are. And you feel saying thank you is very inadequate. And I understand how Mary felt. Because you write letters and you buy cars and you give gifts but you still feel very inadequate with your thanks. So Mary came to where Jesus was, and while he was busy probably talking and eating, she poured this ointment over his feet. And many people thought it was a waste of time and money, but Jesus understood the purpose of it. So what do we do when we're so grateful like that? So when Lazarus had died and his friends and family came to support the sisters, it was Mary in this action going the extra mile, that spoke a declaration of her love that day. So going the extra mile is what people remember. People will always remember that if you do that. The kind word, the flowers, the card, a bowl of soup, a lift in someone's car. Um, I don't know if anybody here amongst the, the ladies was ever a guide, but I was um, a brownie and then a girl guide. And their promises to be kind in thought and word and deed. And I think that's a very good adage for Christians to follow. In the New Testament, we're encouraged all the way through it to love. And in Ephesians 5, 2, it says, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Going the extra mile, I know that that's what people remember. So if we want to go the extra mile and we want to befriend people or we want to show God's love to people, um, are we going to pick people out? So are we going to choose friendly, responsive, pleasant, our sort of people? Because that's what sometimes people do. They think, oh, well, it would be easy to love them. But that wasn't what we were encouraged to do. We were encouraged to love everybody. Now, I don't know whether you've ever tried doing that. It isn't a very easy thing to do. And our feeble efforts often rebound on us, and we withdraw and we get discouraged. So how can we go about loving other people. I wanted to just to bring into the fact that Jesus, 
through the actions of his love was often very misunderstood. And in John 15, Jesus reminds his followers that for all of the amazing things that he did, for the fact that he changed so many people's lives, people hated him. The followers sometimes, the Pharisees. And I think we must remember that, that whatever our actions are for God, they can sometimes be misconstrued. And loving God sometimes puts us on the other side, as it were. And this can make a barrier between us and the world. So sometimes we find it hard to bridge that barrier and to love people. And some of us find it hard and it makes us reluctant to get involved. Um, But for this purpose, God's given us his Holy Spirit. So as a church, do we measure up in loving other people? Um, I thought to myself, it's a pity there wasn't a litmus test, you know. Can you remember when you were a kid with litmus paper testing alkaline and acid? If we had a little bit of litmus paper that could test us as to whether we love other people or not. But it's not us that sees the actions of love. It's other people. Um, And you may not be using a tape measure to judge how much your Christian loving is affecting other people. But I can tell you and be assured that those outside the church are all eyes and all ears. And they watch every response to every situation and they will make a judgment on you. Now, we've all experienced that. We've done things in our lives which we did with great intent, and quite often they've backfired on us. But Jesus has already warned us that these things will happen. So don't be downhearted if that happens to you. It comes with the territory of expressing allegiance to God that sometimes we do get misunderstood. Now, for the chosen person in your life, Loving is as easy as natural as breathing. It's spontaneous. If you find somebody and you fall in love with them, you don't have to read a book to tell you how to love, do you? There isn't one person in here that's loved somebody and has ever had to read a book to find out how to do it. Loving somebody that you are in tune with is a spontaneous, natural reaction, and it requires no effort. And you'll go to amazing lengths to please people to buy them gifts, to bring them generous things, to show concern, and to go that extra mile. It isn't any effort at all. So why do we find it so hard to treat others in that way? If we could parallel how we feel about people that we love and we use the same methods with everybody, we wouldn't have any difficulty. But over the years in church life, I've been amazed at others' dealings with people who are hard to love. Now, I've been coming to church a long time, Um, and in my life's experience in church life, there have often been people who've come to church that it has been very hard to get along with. But there are some people that seem to be able to do that very easily. And other people show the Jesus that we would expect, and they have a great capacity for doing this. Now, is it natural Are they different? I mean, I wouldn't do it to embarrass them, but I can see several people here that I could name that, to me, do it naturally. So are they different? Is it natural to them? Has God given them some ability to do that? No, I don't think so. I think it's because they practice loving people. It's something that they do. It's something that God has challenged them to do. 
And when the phone goes and somebody needs something, they respond. When somebody has a need or when there's a problem, they respond. Sometimes it's the same people. I'm very aware of that. But they're not special people. They're ordinary people like you and I. But there's something that's happened to them that the great father's love, who gave his son as our sacrifice, has touched their lives in such an amazing way that they will respond spontaneously. Now, I doubt if there's anybody here that's been asked to die in place of another person, as Jesus did, as we just remembered here this morning. But that's what God asked of his son, that greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. Now, God's not asking us to lay our lives down, but he is giving us a commandment that he says we have to love one another. It's a command. So where does love come from? Well, I think love comes from a grateful heart. The sort of love we're talking about. We're not talking about the love of a man for a woman or a woman for a man. We're talking about the love that we want to express in our church life. It isn't something that gets conjured up. And the more you have to be grateful for, the more you love. And the outlet will be other people. Now, a few years ago, a friend of mine gave me a book, and it was daily readings, but not in the sort of spiritual daily readings that you might be used to. Um, it's written by an American lady, um, and it was really written for, for women, and it was mostly about domestic issues, family issues. But there was one part of it in January, and she said, try to start the year like this. And she talked about keeping a gratitude diary. And she said, before you go to bed each night, now she was very specific, this lady. She obviously liked arty, crafty things, which I'm not into. But she, you know, she said, choose a lovely book that's very special and decorated and all this sort of thing, which I would never do. But that, you know, that, was, that was the encouragement. And she said, then you'll want to write things in it because it's so lovely. But she said, every night before you go to bed, write in five things from the day that you have just lived that you are grateful for. And she said, sometimes you might have to struggle to think of them. But she said, I write down quite inconsequential things, really. But they are things that I am grateful for. And it's something that struck me. And I, I'm sorry to say, I did do it for a while. But <clears throat> it's like everything in life, isn't it? You start off, it's a bit like the New Year resolution. You start off with good intentions. But the thought was often in my mind. And I have to say that since January the 16th, when life was very difficult when Ted had his operation I have to say that I have had many 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 things to be grateful for if you could only have met the people that we've met in the Freeman Road Hospital um, and everything that you read in the press and hear in the news about the National Health Service in that part of area of Freeman Road is definitely not true I could have written reams and reams of gratitude things because I have a great feeling of gratitude towards the people there who have given Ted another chance of living. So think about the gratitude diary. If you're struggling with loving people, I mean, it isn't easy, is it? You know, people rub us up the wrong way. You can come to church, you can do your hair, put your clothes on, and, you know, read your Bible, come with all the best intentions, and you put your foot through the door, and somebody says something, and woof, away you go. Well, maybe you're not like that, but I am. Um, you know, uh, I sometimes feel as though I've been rubbed with sandpaper. 
Um, and I have to say, the worst place is in my own home. That's the place I find it hardest. I can actually be quite nice to other people, but I find it quite, quite hard at home sometimes. So that's what God's asking us. He's not saying it's a choice. He said it's a commandment. I command that you love one another as I have loved you. If we come here this morning and we come out here, all of us, we've all taken part in this feast to remember God's son who sacrificed his life because there are things that separate you and I from God. That's why he did it. And he came and he walked the earth and he gave an example and he showed his followers and the people around him a better way of living. He realized that they were struggling to live under the law. God knew that. They couldn't achieve it. And so I give you a commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So today is your love on trial? Because quite often it is, isn't it? Our love's quite often on trial. I was thinking as I was trying to finish this off, I was thinking of a warm, balmy day in a punt on the river. Not that I've ever been in a punt, but I've been in a, I've been in a boat. You know, the, the sort of thing I'm thinking of. So you're, you're in a lovely, warm atmosphere, and it's a lovely, sunny day, and good company, and something nice to eat, and all is well, and you're enjoying it, and this is really lovely. Or is your attempts to love other people? Are you on a rough, stormy sea, afloat, on your own, in a dinghy, in the dark, and you don't know where you are? Those are the two contrasts. And God says, I want to come into your life. Maybe you don't know him yet. Maybe you've never taken that step towards him. I don't know. But the maturity that loving others as Jesus taught usually comes about through adversity. Now, none of us ever want to hear this, but we know that it's true. So maturity, that loving others, as Jesus taught, usually comes about through hard circumstances. And the more we trust God, the more our love grows. And there are lots of people here that could testify to that. Um, I, when I was typing this out, and you knew you, you, you have doubts when you're asked to do this. You, you do it all, and then you think, I've got to stand up in front of all these people, and I know quite a lot of them, and I know most of you, and they, uh, most of them know me really well. So I can't say anything that isn't true of me, because people could point the finger. And you look at other people, and you think, most people that are in this love thing, they do it because they've been in times when they felt loved unloved you know when people come through that door into the church we want them to feel loved that's the one desire of our hearts as a fellowship that people that come in here feel loved and that they're special because God says he treats us all the same so if that commandment to love one another is God's law for us in the 21st century then we have to put it into practice so in 1 John 3:18 it says let us love with words let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth let us love not in words or tongue but with actions and in truth it all sounds so simple doesn't it so the hardest thing now is for us to go away and to put it into practice there are people sitting here i can see some faces of people that i know that have come into the church in more recent years and life has been very tough for you and I hope that you have found that when you've come in here amongst the people of Chowding Community Church that you do feel special and that you are loved um, and if you don't then you need to come and tell us um, and if there's anybody here today that hasn't yet found 
Jesus Christ and doesn't really know what this is all about, can I please ask you to see one of the leaders before you leave here today? And thank you for listening. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.